This is Dina Weiss for Hadar on Parashat Vayelach, Acknowledge and Overcome. As Moshe passes the staff of leadership to Yehoshua and prepares to take leave of the people, he knows that this transition is destabilizing and frightening. Moshe's parting words reflect this as he tells the people to stay strong. Be strong and mighty. Do not be afraid and do not cower before them, because Hashem your God is the one who is walking with you. He will not let you loose and will not abandon you. Moshe reassures B'nai Israel that God is with them and will not abandon them. Therefore, they can be strong and unafraid. And when Moshe appoints Yoshua to take over as leader, Yoshua receives the same message that he too should be strong and unafraid. He urged Yoshua ben Nun and he said, Be strong and mighty, for you will bring B'nai Israel into the land that I have sworn to them, and I will be with you. Though these messages seem similar, they differ in two important ways. First, the affirmation that B'nai Israel receive comes to them through Moshe, whereas Yehoshua is encouraged by God himself. Second, and perhaps even more significantly, Yehoshua is guaranteed success. Not only will God be with him, God promises that his mission will be completed. However, B'nai Israel are told that God will be with them come what may, but are not told what will come, and certainly do not receive a promise that what will come will be positive. The choice made to be affirming, but also honest when speaking to B'nai Israel teaches us about what we need to confront adversity and how to survive it. The fact that Moshe does not guarantee B'nai Israel's success is not an accidental omission. Moshe will not lie to the people, and he knows that after Yehoshua's tenure of leadership, the people will fall on sinful and difficult times. He knows this because God tells him so explicitly. God said to Moshe, You are now going to lie down alongside your ancestors, and these people are going to get up and whore after foreign gods of the land that the people are coming into, and they will abandon me and renege on the covenant I have made with them. And I will be furious on that day, and I will abandon them and hide my face from them, and they will be vulnerable to being consumed, and much misfortune and sorrow will find them. And they will say on that day, Is it not because our God is not in our midst that all of this misfortune has come upon us? According to God, the people definitely will behave in a non-covenantal way, and therefore, don't worry, you will be fine, is not the right message for them. However, do not be afraid because God is with you is exactly the message they need. They will have reason to be afraid and reason to believe that God has left them. 
they will feel that the temporary state of I will abandon them and hide my face from them is permanent and irrevocable. Because they will fail, they need to be given the tools to get back up once they have fallen. The message that B'nai Israel need to hear is that failure is not final. God hasn't abandoned them, and when they feel that he has is when they most need to hear that he is still there. And though it is not always true that we have nothing to fear but fear itself, in B'nai Israel's case, it is so. The reason why it is hard for the people to cope with their failure is that they hold on to a mistaken assumption that when they sin against God and experience misfortune, that means that God has abandoned them completely. This fear is not only emotionally crippling, but it gives license to the people to continue to move in a negative direction. If God has abandoned them and he is no longer invested, then there is no reason for B'nai Israel to behave in a covenantal manner and to try to mend the fractured relationship. When God tells Yehoshua not to be afraid, it is because he in fact has nothing to be afraid of. But when the people are told by Moshe not to be afraid, it is because they do have reason to be frightened and they need to learn how to overcome that fear. Moshe acknowledges the reality of what B'nai Israel will encounter and provides the emotional and psychological tools that B'nai Israel will need to recover and move on. The tool that Moshe gives the people is simple but powerful, access to a comforting narrative that is both affirming and accurate. Moshe gives them language that resonates with possibility and corrects the harmful narrative that B'nai Israel have of their own failure. Moshe tells the people that they need to prepare for a difficult future. They should write a poem for themselves, something to remind them that though things are bad now, they were once better and could again improve. And now, write this poem for yourselves and teach it to B'nai Israel. Place it in their mouths so that this poem will be a witness among B'nai Israel. For I will bring them to the land that I have sworn to their ancestors, flowing with milk and honey, and they will eat and be satisfied and get fat, and they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will scorn me and renege on my covenant. And it will be that when great misfortune and difficulties find them, that this poem will respond to them as a witness, if it is not forgotten by their progeny. For I know their nature, what they are doing today, before I bring them into the land that I have promised. Moshe wrote this poem on that day and taught it to B'nai Israel. Though Moshe writes it initially, one of the elements that is so forceful and so important in these verses is that the people are supposed to write the poem for themselves, place it in their own mouths, and be the ones to teach it to their children. The people need to hear affirmation in their own voices, not just from the distant and external voice of Moshe or another leader. 
They may not have the resources with which to compose the poem, but they need to use it, write it down, teach it to themselves, and learn it from themselves. The poem is not a promise that everything is going to be perfect. It is a testimony to the strength of the people and their resilience and to the reliable presence of God. The poem is designed to help B'nai Israel weather adversity by tapping into positivity and comfort through a narrative which accommodates ups and downs, starts and stops. This positive thinking is not magical thinking. It does not prevent tragedy from happening or fix it when it comes. When God tells them that he will be with them, he does not say that only to reassure them, but because that is what they need to know in order to be successful. Telling them that everything is great and everything always will be is not the strategy of Sefer Dvarim. Instead, God and Moshe prepare the people. They tell the people that they will stumble, but they also instill in them the confidence to understand that the setbacks need not be permanent. The centrality of the need to have faith and possibility and a sense of our own strength is also found in the phrase, he will not let you loose and will not abandon you. Repeated twice in this parasha. According to Rashi, this terminology reflects that God is close, but it is the perception of the people which determines whether or not God feels close. God will not let you loose. He will not give you weakness to be abandoned from him. Rashi explains that lo yarbacha velo yazvecha, he will not let you loose and will not abandon you, is not a redundant phrasing. That God will not abandon us is the core promise, but that promise is only as good as the guarantee that God will give us the strength to hold on to him, that God will give us the capacity to believe in our relationship with him. God doesn't become weak or distant, but we do. How close we feel to God is a measure of the strength of our grip. So God promises us proximity, and he also promises us the ability to see that he is close. The notion that how afraid or weak we feel is a choice that we can make is reflected by a Talmudic statement in Masechet Brachot. Amar Rabbi Tavi, Amar Rabbi Yoshia, Kol hamar Torah, ein bo koach la'amod b'yom tzara. Rabbi Tavi said that Rabbi Yoshia said, Anyone who lets himself let loose, marpeh, of words of Torah, will not have the strength to stand in a time of crisis. As it says, you let loose, hitrapeta, on a day of crisis, tzara, so your strength has been narrowed. According to Rabbi Yoshia, if you hold fast to the Torah, then you empower yourself in times of need. But if you let go of what gives you strength, then you find yourself resourceless. This statement is not like other teachings in the Talmud that speak about Torah as having a protective quality, that as long as you are learning Torah or engaging in a mitzvah, the angel of death cannot harm you. Rather, Rabbi Yoshia understands that no matter how much Torah you learn, crisis will come. The point of holding on to the Torah is to equip you with wisdom and give you the emotional resources you need to overcome. The use of the Torah for comfort and strength is movingly described in the following Midrash. Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana v'shem Rabbi Yochanan. Lamelech, 
שקידש למטרונה וכתב לה כתובה מרובה. כך וכך חופות אני אעשה לך, כך וכך תכשיטין אני נותן לך, כך וכך תזבריות אני נותן לך. הניחה והלך לו למדינת הים, ושהה שם שנים הרבה. והיו חברותיה בונות אותה, ואומרות לה, הרי מתי את יטיבה? שם לך בעל עד דעת הליה, עד החילך עליך. והייתה נכנסת בתוך ביתה, ונוטלת כתובתה, וקוראת בה ומתנחמת. לאחר ימים בא המלך ממדינת הים, אמר לה, ביתי, תמה אני, האך המתן לי כל השנים הללו. אמרה לו, אדוני המלך, אילולי כתובה מרובה שכתבת לי, כבר היו חברותיי מאבדות אותי ממך. רבי אבא בר כהנא said in the name of רבי יוחנן, It is analogous to a king who betrothed a lady and wrote her an elaborate ketuba. I will make this many chupot for you. I will give you these types of jewelry. I will give you this many treasure houses. He left her and went overseas, staying there for many years. All of her friends were taunting her and saying to her, Until when are you going to sit? Get yourself a husband while you are still young and have your strength. And she would go inside her house, take her ketuba, read it, and be comforted. After a long time, the king came from overseas and said to her, My daughter, I'm surprised. How were you able to wait for me all of these years? She said to him, My master, the king, were it not for the elaborate ketuba that you wrote, my friends would have made me lost to you. כך לפי שבעולם הזה, אומות העולם מונים לישראל ואומרים להם, עד מתי אתם מומתים על אלוהיכם? כמה צר הוא מביא עליכם, כמה בוזים הוא מביא עליכם. בואו לכם אצלנו ועושים אנו אתכם דוחסים. וישראל נכנסים לבתי כנסיות ולבתי מדרשות ונוטלים ספר תורה וקוראים בו. והתהלכתי בתוככם, והפרדתי אתכם, והרביתי אתכם, והקימותי את בריתי איתכם. ובתנחמים. כשיגיע הקץ, הקדוש ברוך הוא אומר לישראל, תמה אני, האך המתנתם לי כל השנים הללו. וישראל אומרים לפני הקדוש ברוך הוא, ריבון העולמים, אילולי ספר תורה שכתבת לנו, כבר היו אומות העולם מאבדין אותנו ממך. וכן דוד אומר, לולי תורתך שעשועי, אז עבדתי ועוני. Similarly, since in this world the nations of the world taunt Israel and say to them, Until when will you kill yourselves over your God? How much pain and mockery he brings upon you? Come to us and we will make you rulers. And Israel go into synagogues and houses of study, and they take a safer Torah and read in it, I will walk in your midst, and I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will establish my covenant with you. And they are comforted. When the time will come, the Holy Blessed One will say to Israel, I am shocked. How were you able to wait for me all of these years? And Israel will say before the Holy Blessed One, Master of all worlds, were it not for the Sefer Torah that you wrote to us, the nations of the world would have made us lost to you. And so, David says, were it not for your Torah which calms me, I would be lost in my suffering. This Midrash compares the promises in the Torah to an elaborate kedubah telling a betrothed woman all that she can look forward to upon the marriage. The power of this document is not its legal force, for until they are married, she receives no property, and it is also not the promises themselves. The woman is not looking forward to the fancy wedding, 
but rather the promise of the many chupot and many gifts remind her of the love of her betrothed. The promises of the Torah work in a similar way. It is true that most of the time of our relationship with God, we are living in the promise of what is to come, and our ability to remain happy and hopeful during that time period is in our willingness to cling to and believe in the promises in the Torah. This is the testimony referred to in our parasha. It is not the case that hope is delusional. Positive thinking about the future does not deny the reality of the troubles and sorrows of the present. What our parasha teaches is that narratives of failure lead to more failure, and the narrative of possibility in and of itself can give a person the tools that they need to wait patiently and hopefully. Sometimes all we need is our own testimony in order to redeem ourselves. When we are confronted with a friend who is suffering or going through a dark and difficult time, we should resist the urge to tell them that everything is okay or is better than it seems. When someone is in so much pain, it is evident that everything is not okay. Instead, we should echo Moshe's message, both its honesty and its hope. We should recognize and validate the reality of the negative situation, but also give the person access to positive narratives of how they are going to make it through, how they will survive. We should remind them that they are strong and brave so that they can be strong and brave. Wishing you a Shabbat of fearlessness. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debray Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.